and welcome to Beyond the Capital from Supertech. I'm Hilary, we're back, it's 2023, and this year we're exploring how to deal with adversity. I'm going to be talking to entrepreneurs, business leaders about how they've overcome major challenges. I'm going to find out how they made it through the ups, the downs, building thriving businesses ultimately and doing it from the regions, because this is Beyond the Capital. It's a podcast series about professional services tech scene and building those businesses outside of London. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen. In this episode, we hear from Sarah Ahmed Sani. She's the co-founder of Ethco, a platform helping ethnic shops to go digital. Thanks for joining me today, Soraya. Can you start by introducing yourself properly and tell us a bit about your business? Great to see you. Hilary, it's been a while. My name is Soraya Ahmed. Um, I'm the founder, Ethco Limited, and Ethco is trying to solve a problem for migrants and ethnic minority communities. So currently, over 90% of ethnic stores are offline. And when we did our survey, we realized that this is because a lot of those stores just do not have the technical capacity to go online. They're either first or second generation migrants that do not have the technical skills. I saw Esco from a personal problem. So when I worked for Ocado, I noticed I couldn't get my ethnic groceries online, which was about 60% of my sort of overall grocery stock. And I was like, why? So we started to speak to the store owners and we realized that the problem is much deeper. It's from the source. It's from them. And that is why customers like me couldn't access them. With the obviously advancement of AI, we thought, how could we use AI to make it really easy for the stores to go digital so they don't need to snap pictures or, you know, upload products in the normal way because these are all things that require people to be technical. So we're basically connecting consumers and ethnic stores with the help of artificial intelligence. And I imagine in a post-COVID world, the sort of demand and expectation of that convenience is growing considerably. Definitely. I think, you know, consumer lifestyle has drastically shifted. You can count the number of people that want to go into a store, even have a time to go into a store. Even if we do have a time, we want to have an option to go in if we want to and, and not have to go in if we haven't got the time. It's not the same with myself and a lot of uh, millions of ethnic minorities globally are facing similar issues. So whether you like it or not, you have to take a walk to that store because a lot of them are just not online. Go on, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and, and the sort of common theme that you've got between them. I realise that a lot of the businesses I've founded uh, or, you know, program uh, projects that I run are community-based projects. And they're basically aimed at helping underserved communities meet up with the rest of the world. So Ideas, for example, was helping wholesalers and retailers that needed products from the UK, the US and other developed countries gain access to those products easily. Currently, as an African, especially as a Nigerian, you can't use your credit card to shop from a UK wholesaler or retailer just because we're sort of financially excluded for several reasons. So we want to make sure that communities that really want access to certain things have access to those things. So post-exit of YDS via a merger and acquisition, um, I then started TT Labs in Nigeria. And basically, TT Labs is then helping another community that's been excluded from the startup ecosystem and half of a population leave there, which is in northern Nigeria. And um, we're basically trying to help them fill that angel investment gap that stops them from raising further funding. So... It sounds like I've got a few things going on, but I think each of those things are connected to one mission, which is helping underserved communities, really. And Ethico wasn't your first business. No. 
Which one? Um, so there was YDS, which I started in Nigeria. So then there's clearly a geographical split between both of those businesses that you mentioned there. How did that work in reality? <laughs> uh, so to be honest, we've had to do a bit of mo- moving back and forth. So we moved from the UK to Nigeria in 2018 to set up YDS properly. Then we moved back to the UK in 2021 when we sold YDS to start Ethco. So, yes, it, it does have its own challenges. There are personal challenges to move in geographically, especially for us as a family. We've had to move the children. My husband's had to change jobs and stuff. Within that, we also recognize that we're really people that want to serve communities where we see that there's a problem. And despite the challenges with moving, we've found that we really love to do that where we have a problem to solve. And so both of those businesses have got aspects of being in Nigeria and the UK and going between the two. Talk me through the challenges of that and how you made it work. So honestly, moving between countries requires sort of a settling in time, right? When we moved to Nigeria, it it took us about two to three months to settle in. That doesn't sound like a lot. It is massive in the life of a startup because your milestones are affected, your deliverables are affected, and by extension, you know, a lot of things that you plan to do initially. And it's the same thing with Ethco when we came to the UK. We raised the angel investment before we came in, but then by the time we came in, our timeline were affected by the time that we used to settle in. So there's that aspect. Then there is also the aspect of um, an economic downturn. So when we're in Nigeria, there was about three recessions within the space of five years, the middle class was shrinking, inflation was increasing. And then obviously there was COVID. A lot of businesses were struggling to raise funds or even to stay open. We were really lucky to get that m at the time that we did. Then we came to the UK and Greece, you know, <laughs> yeah, that there was there was Brexit, uh, there was you know this little bit of recession of its own. Then there was you know loss of inflation, which the country is still suffering from. So that in itself is is really you know a huge problem. But I think businesses that have been able to get through this period of economic downturn and are able to survive really build resilience and they build sustainable businesses. You know, at a point I was thinking. Does inflation and recession follow me around? But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You seem to be doing okay through it. Yeah. Okay. What's it like then as a female entrepreneur with kids and running a startup? That must be a little bouncy. Well, to be honest, I I know a lot of women like to put up the superwoman narrative, right? And I will say we're, we're super and suffering, right? <laughs> Cause, <laughs> yeah, because because the truth is, um, you've got to balance, right? You've still got the children, you've still got the home, you've still got you know all of those things that you know they're really important to you as well. They're your babies, but your startup is your baby as well. So you're having to balance between all of these children and all of these babies that you've got around, and that is challenging. And we have to accept that it is challenging being a woman and being an entrepreneur. Sometimes you need the weekends. We're not the nerdy quacks that, you know, go overnight, you know, working on our startups because we need to give that time to our families sometimes. Yeah, so I think the ideal image of a startup founder that's been portrayed out there, which is, a, you know, a young man that doesn't sleep or doesn't take any rest, spends all week or all weekends working. It, it doesn't really sort of resonate with a, a female or a, a woman that's got a family. However, 
when you give us things to do, we do them very quickly. And that's because we've got a lot of things to do. So we're having to prioritize and we get really good at doing that. So it's got its advantages and it doesn't mean we're not as capable as those guys that spend the weekends to do stuff. It just means we do them in a different way. You choose to have that time with your family as opposed to yeah. following a stereotype of what a founder Exactly. And what what I want to say is the results aren't much different. So good for you. Yeah. So bringing it back to Ethico, thinking about you as that female entrepreneur, we hear often that there's a funding gap generally and that, that it's more acute, the sort of more diversity demographics that you pursue. What What's your insight on that? There is a funding gap, right? Um, there is a funding gap for female entrepreneurs. We only access about 3% of venture funding currently. Then when you come to black female entrepreneurs, that number is 0.34%. So it is really, really minute. Tiny. Right? Tiny. Um, I really don't see that as a reason to not try or to not go for it. I recognize the the gap and, you know, the sort of stereotype and bias that doesn't help um, black female founders. What I use that to do is to ensure that I am really prepared and I'm exceptionally good at what I do because that is how we break this bias. That is how we fill in for people that are coming in. If we try to succeed and we manage to succeed, then they will see the next female black founder coming, probably in a different light. So I don't see it as a deterrent. Not a reason not to try. Yeah, yeah. yeah Even to become it, the it's, statistic. Exactly. It's really small. It's 0.34%. But if we really want those numbers to go up or, or go higher, then we have to try and we, we have to be there. It's also interesting, right? Because you would have thought the reason why funding for female entrepreneurs is low is because we aren't succeeding or that companies that, that got female investment aren't doing well. But it's really the opposite, you know? So companies that had at least one female founder have done 63% better than companies that have had all male founders. And <laughs> I, I know, right? In terms of revenue, there is um, 35% higher ROI when the people leading a technology company are women and 12% higher revenue. So you begin to ask the question, where is this really coming from? It's not from data that suggests that when you invest in women, you don't get the returns Turns, or yes. that the company doesn't do well. It's really, I don't know. It's something that continues to amaze me and I'm really looking for answers. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> I find that soon. Where do you get your ambition and drive from then? I know you talked about that. I wanted to help the communities, but the startup entrepreneurial life is not for everybody. No. So I started entrepreneurship at the age of 14 um, and I started to sell things because I needed to put myself through school. So I started to sell things to the students and to the teachers in my school. And I was given a waiver to sell in school because it's not allowed. So that's sort of where... I started. I obviously didn't have an organized business from there, but I've really, I've really never looked back ever since. Oh, driven from need. A bit Alan Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what next for Ethco? Your early stage, generating some revenue. What's on the horizon? So we launched on the 5th of January, which was very recently, a couple of weeks ago. But the feedback has been massive from customers, from store owners. We're getting lots of referrals for stores to sign up on Ethco. And that is really sort of putting us on a bit of pressure because we were then having to raise a bridge funding 
either in form of a convertible note or a safe or, you know, recently grants that we've applied for here and there. And that bridge funding is meant to help us onboard the stores that we've got on our waiting list so that we don't keep them waiting for so long till after our fundraiser. And then we will gain more traction, hopefully more leverage, more proof of success, so that then we increase the chances of getting pre-seed funding, which we plan to go for within the next 12 months. So the bridge funding will give us a runway of about 12 months. But then in the middle of a bridge funding, which is six months from now, we're going to then start um, a pre-seed round. We wish you every success. Thank with you so much. <laughs> Keep us in touch. Yeah, thank you. That was Sarah Ahmed Sani, co-founder of Etke. Thanks for listening. This has been Beyond the Capital from Supertech. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, whichever is your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed listening, tell your friends and family and give us a rating to help others find the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>